0: So here we are at a time for a new revelation. Jesus drip-fed the information about the future to his disciples through his teaching. And from time to time we have nuggets of something which can be quite confusing. What is this all about? We, with hindsight, can look back and know that the Holy Spirit was always there... It's mentioned in Genesis, as Jesus is, and God. So the whole Godhead is there right at the beginning. So what is this all about? Previously, Jesus had been with the disciples to counsel them and answer their questions and take them through the story that they would have to relay But here we are, in view of his imminent removal, trying to, I suppose, give them some comfort, some reassurance that they will not be alone just because he is leaving. So he reveals to them the coming of the Holy Spirit, whom he had already mentioned. In general conversations here and there, we'll... It's dripping in all the time. But here, right at the beginning, Jesus recognises, actually, they're more fearful for themselves and their own future. How are we going to manage without you? Sense of conversation. And they're grieving before he's even left. And that's why he says, this is what it's all about. Help me to tell you, listen to what I'm saying. He outlines that him being separate from them is actually better for them. And he talks about the spreading of the word. So why do we think that is? I thought we'd have one or two opportunities just stop and discuss something. And here's one. Why does Jesus have to leave... For the Holy Spirit to come. Now the astute monks will come up with all sorts of angles on that question. So what do we think? Talk to each other or you can talk to me or talk up there. Why did Jesus have to leave for this Holy Spirit to come? That's what he said, didn't he? I've got to go for the Holy Spirit to come. Any answers up there? No. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> think about that for a moment. It's okay, I'm not going to, to mark you out of ten. It's a, it's a, what does it mean for you? What, what do you think? If you were in the disciples' place and Jesus says, I've got to go so that you could get the Holy Spirit, what would be your initial reaction? Yes, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty key to it, isn't it, really? Yeah. 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 Well, let's think about then what the Holy Spirit does, and maybe that'll help us to think more about this, why um, Jesus was separate from this. There's, there's probably three major aspects that are raised here in the, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the first one is to the world. This is a message to everybody in the whole world, those who don't know Jesus, perhaps. But a conviction of sin and judgment, this is what the Holy Spirit will do. And the key word there is convict. What do we understand by the word convict? Prisoner. Yeah, yeah it's, it's actually a good word, isn't it? Uh, to think, when we think in it, that I don't think it quite meant that actually, in in their terms, um, because it talked about reproving, you know, actually, um, pulling people up on something, but when we think of convict and prisoner, then we realise actually we are a prisoner to our own sin, and I was thinking about the readings this morning actually, with looking a little bit about that, and um, one of the the. the aspects that came up was about sin actually is not about is not about the things we do and the things we say, it's actually about our rejection of God because in the actions we take we are going against God so the sin is not in the action itself but in the rejection of God isn't that an interesting thought? Our distance from God began with Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God and ate from the tree of good and evil, where they began to understand that there could be things that they would do wrong. So if we think about this is a message to the world, this is the power of God being unleashed on the world to convict people of sin. To free them from the prison of doing wrong. The Holy Spirit doesn't just accuse of sin, it helps the world to realise the shame and the helplessness that we have before God when we reject him. So the Holy Spirit, in a way, presents this case for the prosecution, if we're going along the judge and jury sort of line, if you like. But representing God to help us discern between right and wrong. Recognising we have a choice to make, but not in what we do, but in God. Because in Psalm 51, David says, Against you... You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. All that David had done, he was a murderer, he was an adulterer, he was a thief. But he recognised that ultimately it was to God whom he was accountable Ultimately, sin is not in the deed, but the rejection of God. There we have it. So there may be a a sense in that we're not judged on the things we do or do not do in this life, but rather we will be judged on our relationship with God. How often did you turn your back on him? How often did you reject him? How often did you disobey him? How often did you do things your way instead of listening to God? Now that is something that Jesus would be challenged to do. Because this is much bigger than one man by the side of Galilee, isn't it? And you're absolutely right that Jesus in his human form could only do a localised work. And so it was important that he trained people up who would communicate on his behalf, would prepare the way. Remember when he sent out the the 70 or 72, depending on which version you have, um, when he sent out disciples to prepare the way. I'm coming along, make sure that I've got the right people to talk to. You know, I think of old Trump now. He's just been across, hasn't he? And what's he done? Prepared the way, hasn't he? I want to talk to this person and this person and this person. Because they're the ones that are going to listen. And then there's others he talks to where he's not going to spend much time because they're not listening to him. And so he's not going to bother with them. Well, the wonderful thing is that God loves everyone. So it's not that he's not going to bother... But Jesus in this instance wants to make sure that he has as much impact as possible to prepare the way for the Holy Spirit coming. Because the Holy Spirit is going to do all of this. The Holy Spirit will reach out to the whole world through the disciples that Jesus has made. The coming of the Holy Spirit will equip those disciples from wider and much more effective ministry. I'm going to ask you another question now to think about, because the second thing that the um, Holy Spirit does is reach out to the disciples. So, my question to you is what does the work of the Holy Spirit mean for you as a disciple of Christ? beg your pardon a go between yeah okay you can have that if you like because it is personal isn't it so I'm not going to say that any, any answer is wrong yeah what does he do for you how does the Holy Spirit change your relationship with God how does he help Helps us stay close. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? In, in sort of prodding us in, in, in those times when you think, well, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? And you realise, actually, God is inspiring you. And that word inspiring is about the Holy Spirit's work, isn't it? So when we think about our personal relationship with God, and don't forget that, you know, we have this easy language where we say the Holy Spirit over here, Jesus over here, the Father over here, and God somewhere up there. And we suddenly develop this, oh, hang on, they're all God, aren't they? They're all different aspects of God. And so we are not losing Jesus when we, we're using the Holy Spirit. We are actually using the whole Godhead. The guidance, the counsellor, the lover, the leader, the teacher, all in different ways, they are all of those three parts of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit, for us, directs us to the truth. This is to the disciples, those who've committed their lives to God, who have converted, if you like, have recognized that this is the way to go, this is the God to follow, there is only one God, and this is where I'm going. But the Holy Spirit then begins to work in us, to rip us apart in a way, to convict us individually of our mistakes our bad habits, the wrong way to go, the things we do which we don't think God knows about. Well, I've got an answer for you, brothers and sisters. He knows everything. So I always, I always tell the kids at school, actually, I said, you know, if you want to know if God's with you all the time, He's there when you go to the toilet. And it scares the life out of them because you suddenly think, oh, I can't even go to the toilet. Well, you can't. God is everywhere and some people pray best on the toilet well look at Su- Susanna Websley. what she'd do, she was sitting in the middle of the kitchen shoved the apron up over her head, and told her 19 children leave me alone and for some people actually going and sitting in the bathroom um, I know a number of mums that actually that's the only space they get is going and sitting on the loo don't need to go, they just need to sit there <laughs> quiet, this is the one place no one will disturb me well God will disturb you Because when we pray to God, when we let him in, his Holy Spirit convicts us and inspires us to change. So glad that you chose the songs that you did. Reminding us every moment of every day that that's what we want to do. We want to change. We want to be better. Paul kept talking about running the race and heading off for the goal, didn't he? We will never reach perfection. And don't be deterred by that, but be inspired by it. That we have always got somewhere to go. That we always have something we can improve. Some direction to travel. We have this distance from God, brought on, as I said, by Adam and Eve, that right at that beginning story of, of disobedience And it continues to widen as the righteousness of God and the sinful state of mankind separates us, drags us away from God. And the power and direction of the Holy Spirit will enable us to recover that space, to get closer to God exactly. The teachings of Jesus reflect the love of the Father. They invoke the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus said that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come, is about focusing on God's power and not just on the teachings of Jesus. We can get so Jesus-centered that we actually forget the power of God that we have unleashed by our commitment to God. Jesus taught us the way to go. The Holy Spirit empowers us to travel that road. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to grow in faith and knowledge. The third aspect, we've talked about the Holy Spirit for the world, the conviction there, and then for the disciples. But the Holy Spirit came to Jesus too. And the Holy Spirit in relationship with Jesus was about revealing this person, the humanity, that was the Son of God. How do we get our heads around that? But to... Reveal his perfection to reveal that he is the Son of God, that he is God. The Holy Spirit enables Christ to be glorified. Because then as we grow as disciples, we understand more and more. And we can build up this picture of God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. When we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we realise perhaps that our lives can fall short in our worship, in the way we live our life, from what is needed. I'll take that off for a second because I'm going to cough. You know, we talk easily, don't we, about the fruits of the spirit. I'm sure that some of you could probably recite the nine that there the, in Galatians and elsewhere, of course, there are different lists all over Paul's letters. But when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we start to get a little bit more um, reticent, reserved, whatever, and we don't tend to use them. Oh, my goodness. Well, if the fruit of the Spirit is for now, just as it was then, why aren't the gifts of the Holy Spirit for now as well as they were then? Why aren't we prophesying and speaking in tongues? Why aren't we declaring the power of the Holy Spirit in this world? Aren't we using God's power in the way he intends? I think that we in this This world, we tend to compromise too much to the ways of the world. We don't want to upset anybody. And that's not even just about outside in the world, that's about the people in church, isn't it? We don't want to upset anybody. So we settle ourselves for this sort of wishy washy sort of halfway house, and this is a generalization. I am not. Um, criticizing any particular church this is across the Christian family certainly in this country I think there's so many churches have settled for average and I speak from a denomination that has settled for average and that's why the church is declining URC, Anglican, Methodist it doesn't matter which denomination you look at We have settled for average, and we are not using God's power to build his kingdom. What is God's power? The Holy Spirit. Because we can't draw a picture of the Holy Spirit, we struggle with identifying who he is. Who he is. He is God. And it is something we can't pin down. You talked about this, this feeling, this something that we can't explain. We don't need to explain. I come back to my own story and saying, God saying, you don't need to understand or explain. You just need to experience and put into practice the Holy Spirit. I will work in you if you open yourselves up. To all the possibilities, and then we will achieve amazing things. Then my purpose will be fulfilled in you, says the Lord. We have to be prepared to step out of our comfort zone and embrace all God has to offer. I'm going to leave you with a question not necessarily to think about now but to think about in the days weeks at meetings wherever you are might be is how can we promote the gifts of the holy spirit in our lives in our church particularly in our worship for surely our worship is an expression of who we are as christians where we stand in the lord So I leave you with that. How can I promote the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life, in my church, in my worship? Amen.